Computer, initialize Holosuite. Space, the final frontier. Let's see what's out there. There are a million things in this universe you can have, and there are a million things you can't have. It's no fun facing that, but that's the way things are. You can deny me all you want. But you cannot deny Ben Sisko. Exist. Dismissed. Let's start with expression four. Get out. Hello and welcome to Her First Trek. Hi, I'm Katie. I'm Kyle. And... That really made you sound like a massive afterthought when actually you're like the brains behind everything. <laughs> I'm glad you finally have I mean, not that. everything. Oh, okay, just the podcast. I thought you generally meant that it's me that keeps... Oh, yeah, God, no. ...everything... Taking along, so working. Funny. I'm slightly offended now. <laughs> so, uh, hey, Katie. Hiya. For anyone who doesn't know, as they're listening to this, you and I are a couple, Katie. Are we? Yeah, yeah, I know I'm as surprised by it as Yay. you, but some big news for anyone listening to this. This is going out to patrons two weeks before it goes out to our regular listeners who listen through other podcast apps. When you guys get this episode, Katie and I will be five days away from becoming husband and wife. And Katie's just made the most shocked expression. Like, if you think anyone is going to, like, panic at the so-called altar and run out or just not show up, <laughs> if you ever thought it was going to be me, it's not. It's going to be this girl right No, here. he's playing me. He's like, oh, I know you're not going to turn up. And then I'm going to turn up and he's going to stand me up. You think I'm playing, like, the, the long game just yes. to really... Really sort Embarrass of... me in front of everyone. I don't think that's going to happen. Mm. I, I'm, I'm semi-prepared for you not to show up. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. That would be really mean. I'm glad you're saying that. I'm going to keep that recorded as well so that we can... I'm not saying I'm not really mean. I'm just saying that would be really mean. (laughs) At least you would recognise that. (laughs) So we're not here to talk about our wedding, though. We're here to talk about four episodes today, Katie. Mm. Four episodes of Star Trek. Now, for anyone who doesn't know what we do on this show, I am the Trekkie. You at least came into this show not being a Trekkie. Mm. That has potentially changed since, now that we are, well, we're five months into this adventure now since into we released our first episode into the voyage yeah into the abyss so you, i'm joking so you have seen discovery you watched enterprise with me managed to persuade that and picard and lower decks but you've never seen like all the old what we call legacy shows so tos tng ds9 and voyager and so on this podcast we watch those with you and find out your thoughts so if you're curious as to what a, a wonderful lady Aww. from south wales who probably didn't even know what Star Trek was, besides Family Guy references, before she met this That's tragedy. literally entirely yeah. accurate. <laughs> yeah, this is the uh, the show for you. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate it. Yes, we are talking about four episodes of Star Trek uh, today. Uh, it's the first time in a while that we've done one from every show. It might be the first time in about two months, actually. We're doing TOS's Dagger of the Mind. TNG's, bear with me now, this is 110... One one zero zero one. I had to read that off the thing. DS9's Battle Lines and Voyager's State of Flux. Four big episodes. We're going to get into them very shortly. Uh, Katie, we always joke that when we talk on the intro, and sorry guys if our intros run long, okay? I know some podcast advice is that you need to get into the meat first because you might have new listeners who have tuned in for what you're selling yourself at, so a track review thing. But I don't really buy into that. I like to just chat to you on this show. Otherwise, it all gets a bit generic. We'll just become another Trek podcast. Not that all Trek podcasts are like that, because there's lots that aren't. We've only ever had one complaint about us waffling about other stuff, and that was about one of our Blast Shield, the Star Trek Low Decks podcast episodes. Otherwise, we get lots of good feedback. So people like to hear us talk about our sometimes crazy adventures in life. We don't lie about anything, guys. We don't we don't script anything to be amusing on this podcast. No, we really don't. No, I mean, Katie seems to have a hell of a life that I'm not typically around for, but mine's a bit more dull. But big news for me in between episodes is that I got a new job. You did! Yeah, Yay. I actually ended up getting offered three jobs. In fact, all the ones I interviewed for, I got offered. So it's a change of uh, line of work for me. I've done it before, like, as part of my other roles, which is recruitment. This role I'm in now is just recruitment. It's got a fancy job title, you know, though. Mm. Talent Acquisition Specialist. 
That's pretty badass, actually. They do name jobs in a really weird way, don't they? Like, earlier I got said to job notification thing from when I was searching for a job years ago. And it was like, equality and diversity champion. Champion. And I was like, all right, you know, champion could be a great job to have. Because I originally come from hospitality, so I spent 15 years of my working life. And there's no fancy titles in there. Does what it says And in fact, they got... You had waiter, waitress, barman, bar girl. They even got rid of the gender specificness of that so it became bar person server you know instead of waiter Mm. or waitress and they're just bog standard titles and i feel like in when you're in like office-led jobs and stuff they seem to really put some focus on giving you a cool title that looks badass on your cv i mean talent acquisition specialist you could just say recruiter but no i go for talent i acquire acquire talent talent. and not only that i'm a specialist (laughs) and i don't yeah and i don't even need to like work my way up to specialist I just You start am. as a specialist. Yeah, I start as a specialist because I'm that Either fucking good. you're born a talent acquisition specialist or you're not. Yeah, you don't don't fake it. You, you can't, can't fake you it. can't make it either. No. You can't create that. You just are that. Yeah. So I've actually started this job as we record this. I've just completed my first week and we're about to go into the bank holiday weekend. So I've got a short week again next week, four days. Really enjoying it. Great team. I don't know if there's any Trekkies on the team yet. I should be LLAP in everyone. Well, um, well like Eliza does. Yeah, uh, Eliza, our daughter now is, oh my God, everything's live long and prosper. Every farewell to, and to people who don't know what the hell it means. To family, friends, nursery staff, shop assistants. Yeah, like, bye-bye. Bye. Have a nice I lo- day. Yeah, have a nice day. I love you. Live long and prosper. And she, then she does a hand gesture. It's so funny. But yeah, I don't think there's any trackies where I'm working. Uh, but I think there could be once I start asking around and getting to know people. And also, that's something that can be created. A trackie. Yeah. I can do it. I mean, just look at me. Yeah, like I've literally got a podcast about that. We can do it. We can do it. Uh, this, of course, has meant that you now have more alone time with our children. God bless you. I'm sorry. Yeah. For, for doing that to you. So you stuck with them now. And I'm working. And you're working, trying to from home. So you're a hero. Like all the parents out there who are trying to juggle. Oh, guys. That. I mean, Solidarity. I, I'll admit I'm sad to be off the school runs, actually. I, I, God. I do start work just after, obviously, the school run in the morning would be, but I wouldn't be able to get to work in time. So I'm not there for that. And the pickups at 3 o'clock, 3.15, 3.30. It is not all it's correct up to me. <laughs> you don't know it until you can't do it, though. Uh, it's weird because for the longest time I couldn't do it and I tried not to dwell on the fact I couldn't do it because I had never done it, but I wanted to. But then for the last year and a half, I have been doing it. And so when uh, you know, lockdown stuff excluded, yeah, now I have had that part of my life just like snipped out with scissors and I'm uh, uh, just sort of having to get used to it. And just well, not, not if you ever it. feel like returning to the home, be my guest <laughs> and um, I am out of here. So... Everyone, uh, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast um, on whatever app you're using. Uh, Apple Podcasts is the one that I use, so please uh, subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please drop us a five-star review. Literally hit the five stars if you want. You don't even need to leave an actual text review, but if you do, thank you. It would be great, and we'll read it out on the air. And we are on Patreon, uh, so I'm not going to plug it too much, but if you want to sign up to get early access to our Patreon and some just general discussion stuff with me go to patreon.com forward slash nerd since 86 that's 86 the link is on our um holosuit media website so you can find it in the useful links on this episode page and just on the patreon one of the other perks they get is they get an after show kate which uh, i'm saying this as if no one knows this why are you saying as if i don't know it I I'm there. Well, sometimes I think you don't know what I'm even doing with the edits of these shows, so you have no idea what. I mean, I do just like record, mic drop. Yeah, you're, you are like the um, the he- diva. You know, yeah, you're the diva of the show, basically. I'm you... gonna start demanding things. Yeah, you come. You're in... like Simon Cowell wants black toilet paper. Really? And like, does Simon I... Cowell want black to- toilet yeah, paper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, that's a thing. Like, if he goes anywhere, he's like, I must have black toilet paper, and they have to get it for him. He can't face his own. I'm surprised stains. he doesn't just have someone Do it wiping it. I remember Will Smith talking about how uh, in his home uh, they just use wet wipes because uh, they said, you know, it's he was talking about, he was recommending it. And they just use wet wipes and discard them. That's clean, but bad for the environment. Yeah, well, I guess maybe maybe there's some ones that are okay yeah, for the environment. Yeah, there are some flushable ones, aren't there? Are there? This is a disgusting topic. Yeah, but we've really gone off the rails. Like some... Famous people like will make you have a bowl of a certain colour of jelly beans in their dressing room. That's what I'm going to start doing. We'll make provisions for that then. Just the green ones. 
Oh, great. Fantastic. I'll get the kids to pick them up. That's fine. So yeah, the, referring to the after show uh, on the after show for this episode. So you can sign up and get it if you want. Uh, but for those of you who are listening who do get the after show, we actually came into this and thought we hadn't even planned what we were going to talk about. But we are going to obviously do the ratings for which episode you like the most of the ones we're chatting about today. And then we're just going to take a suggestion from our Patreons that we are going to... Uh, it's from Ian, actually. Uh, we are going to chat about Star Trek cosplay that we may look to do at Destination Star Trek 2021 later this year. So Ian's suggestion was that we could talk about couples cosplay. Unfortunately, we're not quite far enough into Trek for me and you to really have a deep discussion about that. So we're going to talk about what maybe we want to go at. So if you want to hear that conversation, it's patreon.com forward slash since 86 Katie, I feel like it's time to talk Star Trek now. Uh, we've got four episodes to get through. It's a long episode, guys, so uh, enjoy the show. Buckle in. Yeah, buckle in. We've got a long one for you this time. Oh, I imagine so, given that there's four episodes to chat about, and we've <laughs> wasted over 10 minutes just on this. So right after this combat chirp and an extract of our first episode, we'll be right back to give our thoughts on four new Star Treks. You can't bury it, Kira. Do you recognize yourself in these people? Me? Oh, not, not at all. They're content to die. I've always fought to stay alive. I don't want you to have the wrong impression of me, Opaka. Just what impression do you think I have? Did, did I enjoy any of this? I, I don't enjoy fighting. I, yes, I've... I fought my entire life, but for a good cause, for our freedom, our independence. And it was, it was brutal and ugly and... But that's over for me now. That's... That's not who I am. I, I, I don't want you to think that I am this... violent person without a soul, without a conscience. That that, that is not who I am. So you haven't been a big Kira fan until now? Not so far. So this episode wasn't really a Kira-centric episode, but a lot went on for her. We're talking about DS9's battle lines from season one. Tell us what went down. Well, once upon a time on DS9. I wonder if I can do the whole thing as a poem. Probably not. Try it. Let's, let's try it. This is not going to go well. No, I don't. try and rap it. Oh, I could do that. You can rap, rap then. No, no, I'll do a poem. Okay. I'm not going to do a poem. I'll see, I'll see if anything can rhyme. That woman who was from Friends comes to the station to make amends. She doesn't. She doesn't. She just comes to the station. Yeah, and she, normal, I think. <laughs> she is like really important. She's like the Pope, but the Kai, Bajoran. Kaio Parker. Yeah, yeah, Bajoran Pope. We haven't met Kaio Parker before. Yeah, I remember. Mm. And Kira's like, oh, great one. And she's like, I want to see the wormhole. And Cisco's like, unfortunately, we don't have anything scheduled for today. And then he takes one look at that, like, super stern face and melts into a ball of, like, Cisco goo. And he's like, okay, I'll take you through the wormhole. And then he takes um, Bashir and Kira and the Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai Opaka. Kai Opaka. Yeah. Through the wormhole. And when they get there, she's like, ah, it's destiny. And they end up, like, getting attacked by some satellites and falling onto a moon. Kayapaka dies. Shock horror. Kira is devoured. And then they get attacked by some, like, people who kind of look like zombies from The Walking Dead. <laughs> they find out that they've crash-landed on a place where these people are having a war. And they've just had a war for generations, and no one really knows why. But they just, like, keep killing each other. And then, out of the shadows, comes Cobra Kai. <laughs> And she's alive because there's some like microorganism inside her that is reviving her. And it's also happening to all the people on on the moon because they've got this in them. So every time they die in war, they just keep coming back to life. Yeah, it's like this nanite kind of thing. So yeah. And machinery that they're like, back. oh, we can't even die. We're so useless. It turns out it's like a punishment for them to just keep reliving this hell. And then they're going to beam them all off the planet and then Bashir realizes that they can't do that because if they do then the little things that are keeping them alive are going to kill them because they only work on the moon and all this time O'Brien and Dax are going on a rescue mission and then they eventually find them but because Kayapaka has come back to life with those little things little bugs she can't leave no so she stays there to be like the peacekeeper between the two groups yeah and it ended there although 
it should be noted that Opaka didn't know she couldn't leave. She actually said that she was going to stay before Cisco had an opportunity to say mm. that he wouldn't be able to take her without her dying. Obviously, Kira wasn't thought this was ridiculous because she's a political, well, the highest political entity on Bejo, I guess. But interesting episode, a bit different mm. for DS9. What did you think of it? It was good. Interesting. Yeah, you said you were really enjoying it halfway through. Did that stick through to the ending for you? Yeah. It was interesting to see Kira being different. Because, I mean, that bit where Cisco slapped her down. Oh, yeah. But did she stay down? No. Nay, nay. So she was trying to tell the alien dude that there's just bad defences there. And like no wonder they're getting killed. Although his defence was that they used to try harder, but didn't work. And eventually you just get used to, to dying. So they don't try anymore. But yeah, she's pushing it and pushing it. And Cisco is like, yo, you know, we need to stay out of this. This is not a Starfleet matter. You know, she's not Starfleet anyway. Uh, but she kept going. And then he gave her the stern voice, which would have made me stop in my tracks. It would have been like when the basilisk looks at you in Harry Potter and you oh. just freeze. Yeah. Except but she didn't. Kira seems to be made of some kind of molten lava or something. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep flowing. Well, you can't stop me. She's fiery. She won't back down. She is fiery. We saw a softer side of Kira. That was lovely. You said to me that the first time when she's obviously dealing with the immediate grief of Opaka dying, you felt that when she was I talking did. about it. And I was like, wow, it's really nice to see her in a like vulnerable position. Mm. Because so far we've just kind of seen her... As this person that doesn't listen to Cisco. And you know me, I'll listen to authority. I don't like getting in trouble. So when I see her, I'm like, damn fool, just listen. But she doesn't listen. She was really vulnerable when that Kaipaka died. So I was like, oh. What about when Opaka was back? And then uh, Opaka calls out Kira for, you know, do you see yourself in these people? You know, why are you trying to help so much? Kira, obviously, in this moment, was like, no, no, these people don't want to live. Whereas I always fought to live i mean that whole scene what do you think i thought it was really good i loved the way that they were with each other i thought kira's acting was way better yeah. than i've seen her before and the tough girl well as i said to you as we we're watching it she actually speaks with like a different voice yeah really to Kaya soft. Parker. yeah very soft or she's very respectful blunt and yeah in a way that she does not speak to no to cisco at least at this point opaka is obviously an important figure for her and has been i guess since childhood Mm. I would imagine. I don't know how long Opaka's been Kai for, but probably quite a while. And So is her name Opaka and her job is Kai? Yeah, the role is Kai. Right. I can't remember. But I think that's like the the highest role ah. you can have. I think like the Pope is a good, I think a good comparison. But is it like sure. Pope or is it like president? Is it like a, because she talks about prophets and stuff. Well, the so prophets it must be a religious gods, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll see more about the Kai oh. thing as this season goes on actually. Because this episode, although it's not linked to any greater storyline going on in DS9, it does begin the process of a major, major... Kira. ...thing. Yeah, major Kira. <laughs> a major, major Kira. <laughs> the whole Kai situation stuff, that's going to become a big part of the show. Does and Kira become Kai? don't know. You'll have to watch and, um, and find out. Her outfit's uh, cool as well. Like, well, Kai, I would be Kai. Really? You address as Opaka? Yeah, like a pink nun. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, babes. Like, yeah, but you said previously you have like a phobia of... Of ears. That's what you said to me in bed last night. Yeah. I didn't know this until you told me in bed and I was joking with you about something that Liam had said about lobes and things. And yeah. uh, so you would be all ears though. Ah, kind of pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended there. If you had that outfit, because wouldn't they, no, wouldn't yeah, they ears no, sticking out? Yeah, but I like a little earring, you know, a nice yeah. delicate little earring. Let's just clarify. I don't have a phobia of ears. I just don't like Ferengi's really, really big ears. So it's not Especially a phobia of ears. They, it's they a phobia of big ears. Into the eyebrow. I mean, what's going on there? What the hell kind of anatomy is that? Yeah, am I staring at your eyebrows or your ears? Also, because they find their lobes like erotic, their mm. ears. Does that mean that their eyebrows are erotic? Because I can kind of get on board with the ear thing. Not, it's not for me, but I can understand Noted. it. Yes, take notes, please. Yeah. Eyebrows though, it's like, ooh, yeah. I mean, because I don't have eyebrows naturally in my natural state. <laughs> I don't have eyebrows, so maybe I'm just <laughs> jealous. I, d- I don't know. And my ears are pretty small as well. This, yeah, you could just be envious of the Ferengi. Maybe I'm just scared of the unknown. So this episode for you, for, about Kira, did this sort of turn it your opinion around on her then? It was very helpful. It was very oh. helpful in my Attempts connection to... with her. Do you feel connected yet? I'm not connected. I'm getting there. I still don't feel like we could hang out and that... I'd actually get on with her. She'd be that friend that I'd be like, oh, yeah, I had to bring her. 
I'm convinced that eventually Kira is going to end up in your girl squad. I hope so. I'm saving a space for her. Oh, there's a space at the table. She's just not invited yet. <laughs> Soz. It's just an empty chair for the time being. So the concept of the episode, though the the moon with all these aliens who just kept dying and dying as like a punishment mm-hmm. to sort of show people how silly the war was back home. I guess I don't think we've seen that yet in a track episode that we've watched. So what do you think of that? Not expected. I didn't expect that at all. So what do you think when Opaka came back in? I thought it was just because she was like some religious deity and that she'd like oh, ascended okay. to be like godlike. You were surprised when you realised that she couldn't leave though. Oh, I was sad. Yeah. Because I was like, they pulled her away and then they gave her back and then it's like, ha, no, she has to stay here. Yeah. Soz. Who did you feel bad for in that Kira. situation though? You felt bad for Kira for that? Yeah. yeah. Like not her because she seems pretty like, oh, it's fate. It's my destiny. What do you think the Bajorans would do? So you go back, you tell them. I know that Opaka said to say that I'm completing my mission from the prophets or something. But, you know, if you tell the Bajorans that their biggest figure in their society, basically, is on this moon, aren't they going to want her back? And even if you try to explain and say, look, we can't, they'll be like, get over there and well, do something. So do they lie to Bajor about what happened to her? Because I was wondering if Kira goes like, oh, yeah, I took the Kai through the wormhole on a journey and then she ascended to her destiny with the prophets are they going to be like traitor you killed her and then kill kira Mm. like do you believe her do you know as well during the episode that opaka was she clearly did know what was going to happen she said that she knew when she got through the wormhole Mm. but i think she knew before she was quite pushy about going into the wormhole yeah when they came out she was the one who stopped them from turning back straight away. Yeah. I feel like Opaka knew even before they came out of the wormhole. Yeah, she said that she she's seemed to, to have go. some kind of like visions of it. Yeah, yeah. So she kind of played them, I think, in a way. But she's going to stay there and she's going to try and make them heal. I kept thinking to myself in that final shot that, oh, she's got a workout for her. But actually, she would have had the exact same situation on Bajor during the I did think occupation. that when, yeah... Maybe that's what makes her uniquely suited to the role is her past experience with warring Wartime, yeah. people. But I thought maybe like when Cisco got them together and they were trying to like work through their issues, you know, like couples counselling for these crazy zombies. I thought that they would like do something to help resolve it and then maybe she would stay and help. But it turns out that Cisco just made it worse. So actually what he did was stir the shit yeah. a little bit more, <laughs> yeah. threw it at. Kaiopaka and then was like Bye. <laughs> what about um, Cisco dressing down Bashir when Bashir made a joke about how it's kind of like a jailbreak if Cisco initially was going to agree to take them all off the planet with him Cisco was like well he just gave it to him didn't he and he's like I yeah. don't think I need you to remind me of you know federation policy or prime directive I think he said and he points out that these people have paid for whatever crimes they may have done a hundred times over so the federation would probably be lenient Cisco right to dress Bashir down there? As much as I would like to see Bashir getting a bit of a slap every now and then because he's a pain in my ass, I don't really think he did anything wrong. He said the right thing, I think. Well, what I'm going to say on that is that I think Bashir has been too comfortable with Cisco. Do you remember when he was with Cisco and talking about how he thought Cisco was getting it on with Jadzia? Do you remember? And uh, it was kind of like... Well, I'm not sure you really should have your conversations with your boss like this. And then this one, I think it's just kind of like a, no, no, you, you are too relaxed with me now. I need to remind you of the chain of command mm. here. I'm not your friend that you can joke with. I'm your boss. It is weird as well, because you can kind of see why maybe Kira's like it. I mean, she's confrontational by nature. And also, she, like you said, she's not Starfleet. So I can kind of see why she'll like push her limits with Cisco a bit. Bashir, not really. You are a, an employee of Starfleet. Just get your shit together. Get your shit together, Bashir. So, um, Julian, I think we have to address him Julian. as Julian in that situation. Get your shit together, Julian. Get your shit together, Julian. <laughs> Any favourite moments from this episode? I like the shock of when the Kai came back to life. Okay. I was like, what? Damn. I mean, that's a distinctive head shape coming through that cave. Yeah. Can't be. Definitely but it was. was her, yeah. Enjoyed the really dramatic fight scene between the two sides. Oh, imagine if they included blood uh, splatters. It would look brutal. Yes. Let's slowly brandish our weapons and... There were some brutal deaths, I thought I thought they might kill Cisco and he might come back to life before oh, I realised that yeah. the thing was... I liked it when Julian saved him as well. That yeah. was pretty decent. Particularly because Julian could have died mm. from it. That so Julian was protecting his commanding <laughs> officer, actually. Julian's one of my favourite characters on the show. Why? Not right now. Do you identify with him? No, but not right sure? now. <laughs> no, I 
I love Julian as a whole on DS9. So, I don't know what that means. Like, as a whole, his whole story. Oh, I thought you meant like show. a whole. <laughs> no. W-H-O-L-E rather ah, than a H-O-L-E. I was going to get a bit worried. <laughs> the, whole, the whole of Bashir, not Bashir's whole. Tell me what this is all about. A star in the Vinar system went supernova and they miscalculated. The electrical magnetic pulse from the explosion was going to knock out their main computer. And so their only choice was to transfer all the stored information and shut down until after it passed. And then reactivate their system and transfer the information back to the main computer. The Enterprise has the only mobile computer large enough to handle all that information. So what went wrong? Why are they dying? The star went supernova before it was expected. And you were late arriving at Starbase 74. Why didn't they say something? Why didn't they just ask for help? Okay, I've never ever been able to remember the name of this episode, so I'm going to read it out for you. Okay. Uh, so we're going to TNG with 11001001. Even now, I've, well, I've yeah, forgotten it. Well, yeah, why would anyone... I mean, I wonder what it means. It's obviously some binary code. Yeah, for, for what? I don't know. I don't know. There must be something. Because weren't they named 01 and 10? Yeah. So I initially was in my head thinking, oh, that must be... The title must be a play on that. But then I realised it's not... Oh, wait, No! Were the other ones called 1-1 and 0-0? Because they came together, weren't they? Those, those two Possibly. pairs. Because that makes sense, because the final four digits are 1-0 and 0-1. But what about the rest of the people on the planet? There's only like a certain number of combinations you can have. 1-1-1 one, 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 one and 0-0-0. 1-0-1. Is that binary? I don't know. Maybe that's what it is then. Maybe it's just all four names put together. Maybe. Okay, so this episode, we've kind of hinted at who was in it now. This binary race. Do you want to kind of try and tell us what, what yeah, happened? Yeah, I'll give it a Give it a, I'll have a whack at it. You'll give it a hard and go. That should be a thing. Yeah. <gasps> that should definitely be a thing. Anyway, so Enterprise go to a starbase and they are having some like upgrades done to the ship. And these little purple people come on and they're like computer people. And they're so in tune with computers that they basically are like binary people. And they like when they talk to each other but they can also speak English which is helpful um, and their little things flash on their head when they're chatting to each other and it's like yeah I, know, I totally know what you're on about that was so funny and then they are like doing shit to the ship to make it better allegedly allegedly and everybody is off doing their own thing it's like hey you're at a star base go wild so like people are off playing games but the only person who hasn't got anything to do is Riker and he's like wandering around the ship like what can I do with myself and they're like hey the purple people, I mean, are like, hey, Mr. Riker, do you want to come and try out our hologram thing, program? And he's like, sure. And he goes in there and boy, does he try it out because he creates kind of a woman who's very pretty. She's pretty pretty. She's really intelligent. Yeah. And she seems to just be his perfect woman. I mean, I don't want to be like, hey, I'm fairly sure I know where this ends up for you, so step away. But she's perfect for him, and he, like, pretty much falls in love with her straight away. And then Picard comes in, and she's really, like, enchanting to him as well. And it turns out she's been put there to distract them both from the fact that they are trying to steal the ship, the purple people, to well, take back to their planet. Yeah, not even just try, and they did. Yeah. They successfully stole it. They, they realise that there's something wrong with, like, something on the ship, so... They decide to evacuate the whole ship, but they don't realise that Picard and Riker are in the hollow suite thing. Because they've the Binars. Are they called the Binars? Is that what they're called? Dunno. We'll call them that anyway. They made them unable to find them. Yeah. So they couldn't they couldn't get a location on them. So they assumed they weren't on the ship. Yeah. Anymore. And yeah, this this minuet hologram perfect woman. Oh yeah. It's like, hey, you can't leave. Distraction. Yeah. And she speaks French. She... Can you speak some French for us right now? Oui, bien sûr. Yes, good sir. Uh, no. Yes. Of course. Oh, okay. Naturellement. Wow, kind of exciting. Now I know why Picard was so taken the moment she spoke French to me. <laughs> and apparently he is French. <laughs> Allegedly. Obviously not. Yeah, I don't know why they hired a... Why did they... Yeah, why didn't they just give him like a regular name? Well, when they cast him and he was doing a, an English accent for it, I don't know why they didn't just make the character English. Yeah, this is what I mean. Yeah. Like, if he was that good... I mean, it's not hard to change Jean-Luc to John luc That would have been okay. They could have done that, yeah. I'm going with the idea that at that point in the future, which is, uh, what, 300 years 
plus three, 350 years now in the future, that accents have just been lost in some places. So mm. maybe because France and England are so close to each other, maybe there's just been so much crossover between the two countries and the two peoples that the French accent might not exist in the same manner that it existed. Yeah, maybe. But if you're going to be called Picard in French, you're not going to pronounce the D. Really? Picard. Oh. It's been bothering me for a while. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Was it like Pikachu? Yeah, kind of. Because I is like an E, is it like... I haven't got a clue. I, was I, asking I barely you. remember anything from French. I think that's true anyway. I mean, my French is not great. All I know is je m'appelle Kyle. Well done. The je things... suis... Here we go. Tired. Fatigué. Je suis fatigué. 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 Like fatigued. Yeah, okay. Actually, I've got a funny story about that I wonder where that, that word, word came from first. English to French or French to English? Probably, Probably French Latin. to English. <laughs> Because really? it all comes from Latin. Yeah, but most of, our, most of the English words are very similar to French because of when the French invaded England. No, they're similar because the, most of it all comes from Latin. Yeah, but when the French invaded England, that's why there's so much French in, influence in the language. Don't try and tell me differently. Okay. I've got a fun story about fatigue, if you want to hear it. You can guess, can't you? When I was doing my French GCSE, which was not that long ago. Um, <laughs> Let me put that in there. Half your life ago. No, 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 no. I did it when I was oh, working yeah, in the crockery. That's right, that's right. Because I had to yeah. have another language to get into teaching at university. So I went and did, even though my French was probably fine, but I needed like a qualification. So I went and did my GCSE again in night school. And I happened to be with a bunch of kids who had just taken the night class rather than going to school in the day so that basically they could sleep all day and then hmm. just do one class and then, you know. But I was taking it very seriously. And the teacher loved me, obviously, because. You're you. I'm me, and I'm swat. She was like, anyone want to volunteer for this? I was like, oh, me, pick me. So anyway, there was this one kid who was just super disengaged with the whole thing. So she was like, will you just partner up with him and like, and just like try and chat to him and just try and do this oral exercise with him and try and teach him how to speak French. And I was like, sure, of course, it's me. Uh, so I sat down next to him and he was just like hood up, headphones in. And I was talking to him and I was like, oh, are you okay? Like all in French, like, what's, what have you been doing today? And then I said to him, in French, est-ce que tu es fatigué? Which means, are you tired? And he was like, oh my gosh, you just called me a fat gay. And I was like, no, whoa, no. Whoa, yeah, calm down. I mate. was like, I, I didn't. And then he was like, miss, she totally just called me a fat gay. And I was like, no, 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 no. I really, really didn't. And the woman was like looking at me like, I know you didn't, but what did you say? <laughs> I thought he was going to punch me. Yeah. I was really scared. But you called him a fat gay. I didn't. You weight shamed him he, and potentially like He took it really his... badly. And I was like, I was just asking you if you were tired. And he was like, oh, you could have just asked me if I was tired. And I was like, we're in French class. <laughs> oh, dear. That's what you get for trying to be the class I know. Swap. So I didn't bother anymore after that. Yeah. But obviously his French was not as good as yours, though. So that's cool. Uh, so, yeah, back to the TNG episode that we were talking about. Basically, they pick out and Riker get control of the ship and then they help the Binars. It turns out the Binars were afraid to ask for help for something to do with their planet. Yeah, so like, come on, guys. Because they only work in, like, yes and no, basically. And they didn't like that. No is a possibility. I'm yeah. a bit like that. Yeah, you are. That's why you don't ask me before you do things. I'd never do. No. You are a binar. Yeah. Can't accept anything. Because other no than isn't a possibility. It's a just possibility. Yes. I just do it. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so this episode. I'm looking at the lights out the back. Yeah, I, I know. That. These brand new colourful lights in my back They're garden. They're so pretty. Yeah, okay. Uh, so this is a nothing to write home about episode, but I mean, were you a fan <laughs> of it? So. I have not written anything home about it. No. You haven't sent a letter to mum? No, no. I mean, I'm still not out yet. I watched one one zero zero one zero zero one. I did it. I just said it. I wouldn't know if you're right or wrong. I think I was right. Oh yeah, you're not an out trekkie yet, are you? No, I'm in the closet. You've been. I'm in the turbo lift. (laughs) So you're still in the turbo lift. Yeah. You haven't come out with the turbo lift yet. No. Uh, There's no toilets in here, guys. You have been confronted about this by some friends. I have. I have. Asking me if it's real or not, or whether I'm just playing along with you. Oh, to entertain me. Yeah. Is it real then? I can confirm it's real. Yes. It didn't take long. Like We did this with some of the worst seasons of Star Trek. So hold on to your knickers because it's only going to get better from here. (laughs) Hold on tight. So favourite parts from this episode? That's a tough question. Oh... What about Riker when he's on his trombone? Um, yeah, that was weird because she was looking at him so intensely and I was like, he looks like he's going to eat that thing. Yeah, he didn't like his um, face. No, I mean, I guess that's how you play a trombone. I don't know, I'm not musical. You um, fancy Riker though, so... I do. What did you think of his trombone playing? Maybe I had been like, you know, 
can see you can handle a large instrument, Mr. Riker. Oh, jeez. Like, you tell me all the time that size was not important. Good mouth work, Mr. Riker. I beg your pardon? How dare you? <laughs> oh, Commander, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah, at least, Woo. at least rank him. Number one. I said rank. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Oh, I like what you did there. Wow, I've taken a beating. Double-ended joke. It was a double-ended. Uh, uh, double-ended. Big innuendo on this show. Yeah. Don't say innuendo. You always end it with in. You have to end it with in your endo and then move on. I feel like that's how you end an innuendo tangent of conversation. Go on in then. your endo. There we are. One thing that I was a bit curious about in this episode was we saw Worf in some very tight clothing mm. you know, with him and Tasha, and that we're going to take on was it some Starbase team or something in some sport. And I don't want to raise any questions about Riker, but was about Worf. Sorry, but whilst we're on that subject of size and mattering and things, you know. I could only see one bulge for Mr. Worf. I said I think it's somewhere unexpected. Well, you know, we've since found out on Discovery that Klingons have two penises. Does it just go straight down, do you think? Well, one hangs down it's and like one a third goes up. leg. Well, I don't know. So maybe if we notice next time, we'll just see if he walks, like, with his legs apart. Or maybe he tucks it, like in RuPaul. He could tuck, but I, w- I feel like I would have seen some kind of camel toe between his oh, two penises. Oh, you would think, wouldn't you? Yeah. A Klingon's going to have a giant dick, to be Well, fair. no, you don't know that. You don't think a Klingon's got a giant dick? I don't really think about it, to be honest. Right. I was a bit put off when I saw Laurel in all of her, like, Klingon glory. Klingon boobies. I was oddly titillated by it. <laughs> ah, no pun intended again. <laughs> God, sorry, guys. Yeah, it's uh, it's because you've had a sip of wine, and I've drank... One sip of wine, and I'm anyone. I've drank oh, three quarters of a bottle of sugar-free Coca-Cola. <laughs> it's so wild tonight, you I guys. am anyone's right now. Yeah, so only seemingly had a bulge, which it looked like one penis to me. So I don't want to say that Worf's second penis may not be um, up to standard, so to speak. But maybe, maybe that's better for the women. Maybe. Maybe it's... Safer. Yeah. Maybe it's... um. Do, do, do female Klingons then have two receptacles? <laughs> I can see we're walking down a dangerous path on this. So I apologise mm. to any of our older listeners who don't want to hear this. Or... Younger listeners, mm. um, yes, possibly, or Ain't both it. are re- both are receiving <laughs> the same receptacle. But then that wouldn't make much sense as to like why would evolution, if it's such a thing? What do you mean if it's such? a... Oh my god, this is and a whole other tangent. We don't need to. The go I guess, or it's for front and back. We're going to move on from that anyway. Yeah, I've got a slightly cleaner question. Okay, where was Diana? Where was Diana in this? That's a good question. I have a feeling I could be wrong that there was another episode where we were like, "Where's Diana?" I wonder yeah, if, I feel like that's the thing. I wonder if Marina Sirtis didn't have like a full season's complement of episodes on her contract. Where does she go? I don't know. She could have just been busy. An office. Too busy but, you to know, be Councillor Troy. Well, it doesn't make any sense so. that the councillor is on the bridge all the time anyway. Yeah, maybe she's on shore leave. Well, no, no, even on shore leave. Like, presumably she's there as a councillor for the staff, but she's never available to all the staff. No, she's not here. there as a councillor for the staff. That's not her job. I took it as a councillor for the staff. No, and she's then... councillor to the captain. No, yeah, but she's like a men- she's like a mental health councillor, isn't she? Yeah, but no, no, I think she's like a... I like don't think a, so. Like a, an advisor, I don't think... No, I think she's like a, a councillor. Well, maybe she's just both. Maybe. Maybe someone was having an issue. Yeah, maybe she was talking out. down some red shirt. Yeah, there might be some red <laughs> shirt. He's like, my to. life's not worth living, and she's like, it is until that moment where it's not. Maybe there was someone on the crew who didn't want to go back to Starbase because he'd have to see his wife and kids. Wow, this. And then he really was worried about going back and having to deal with that for forty-eight hours. I think we had, and so she was trying to like talk to him about that. And make him feel comfortable with it. And that he could be a good dad now when he goes back, even though he's missed time with the kids. And Are you projecting? <laughs> Who is a, this guy? I, I don't know. But, you know, his story, I think, is an episode all on its own. I feel for him. Wow. We haven't really talked about 11001001 all that much on this one. because There's not there wasn't that much, much to talk about. There wasn't much to talk about. Oh, let's quickly talk about something. Was it... Not awkward that Riker was given the sex eyes and such to the French lady. Yeah, really Well, she wasn't a French lady. She just could speak French, couldn't she? I mean, her name was Minuet. Ah, good point. Uh, Yeah, it was weird he was given the sex eyes when Picard was there. Picard was kind of impressed, knew what Riker was after. And I kind of thought there was potentially going to be a bit of uh, JL and... Will Riker. Yeah, we were joking about it, weren't we? We were like, just roasting. don't look me in the eye. Yeah, yeah. just Don't, don't lean backwards. What was the thing in Friends with Joey and Chandler when they were 
Yeah, it was like, don't look at each other. Open your eyes. Don't open your eyes. I don't know. I think that's the conversation that Riker and Picard are going to have to have. Also an awkward moment. None of it was addressed. Okay, very serious. Okay. Why was Picard's long-lost twin brother there on the Starbase? And none of us had a chance to find out what the hell is going on there. Okay, so Katie's referring to the commander of the Starbase. Basically Picard with facial hair. Yeah, who essentially did just look like he is probably Picard's body double and stand-in, like for Patrick Stewart. It was weird that they would... So weird. And I said to you at the time, I said, it's funny that they've done that because seeing two old men, grey-haired, balding, shouldn't really mean anything. But when you think, particularly back then as well, they used to avoid at all costs having, and still do now a lot, women with the same hair colour on screen with each other. Yeah, because even it wasn't See even it on just the hair. Facially, yeah, so they similar. were really similar. But I was thinking about this because I was also considering when we were watching Total Divas, remember? Total um, Divas, I remember. And Eva Marie, or whatever her name was, was Eva like Marie. trying to get her like persona going. Hmm. And they were going to dye her hair blonde. And there was a whole controversy because Natalia there, were, yeah, there were a bunch of other... Yeah. like blonde divas that wouldn't let her and then she had to dye her hair bright red because yeah. they but couldn't no have two that time, were too yeah. similar and she couldn't have dark hair because she couldn't look like the bellas which is a natural color um so i thought yeah i thought it was weird i mean i don't know that much about that sort of thing in the industry but i do know that that's weird like you don't want two characters that you can confuse stargate's a good example for a little while when ben Brado joined the show and took over from o'neill yeah. huh Who uh, he takes over as like the the main lead Ah. When O'Neill goes, he's from Farscape, you haven't seen him in anything. Yeah. He looks a lot like Michael Shanks, who played Daniel Jackson. Mm. So for a while, Daniel had a beard, just apparently, so you could tell the difference between them as you were getting used to the two on the show with each other. It's funny how TV worries about that, but then we say they shouldn't need to, but then we're both freaked out that there was a Picard lookalike. I was, I was imagining, you know the Spider-Man meme? We have the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. <laughs> yeah. I imagine Picard hey. and the commander just pointing at each other. Yeah. I imagined it as being that moment from, like, you know, the really cheesy teen movies. What's that one with Lindsay Lohan? Uh, mean Girls? No. No, the one with the twins. Parent Trap. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they join up in the camp and they're like, <gasps> sister. And then they realise they were separated when they were younger. That's what I thought the storyline was going to be. You thought that's where it was going? Yeah. You were really disappointed then. And then they had a different set of bloody purple twins. There were twins though. You got twins. You were close. Yeah. Your vibe was right. Well, does this get a... We talk about it every time. The thumbs up, the thumbs down, or some kind of weird middle thing. They're a middle thing. Not a middle finger. No. A middle thing. Middle finger would be like an offensive piece of crap episode. Yeah, I haven't encountered anything that's too offensively shite. We had the enemy within a TOS, which was a good episode, but was really offensive. But this one wasn't terrible. It just was a bit like, what? I mean, you had to remind me what what the hell I was thinking about. Yeah, it's true. 11001001. Crap. You've just come across that episode title for the first time today. You've aced it. Jim. Doesn't quite ring true. Uh, Dr. Adams, please stand by. Explain. I don't believe him. I can't explain it, but the more I study that patient... You don't believe him and you can't explain it. Are you aware that in the last 20 years, Dr. Adams has done more to revolutionize, to humanize prisons and the treatment of prisoners than all the rest of humanity had done in 40 centuries? I've been to those penal colonies since they've begun following his methods. And they're not cages anymore. Jim. They're clean, decent hospitals for sick minds. Jim, listen. Gentlemen, I suggest you ask Dr. Adams if he wants Van Gelder returned. Our TOS episode for the week is Dagger of the Mind from season one. This episode was not quite as offensive on the surface as... As other ones have been for you recently, so... Huzzah! Yay, winning. So why don't you uh, tell tell us all about what happened in this episode? Okay, they, on the ship, beam up a box, a really, really big box. Don't know what's supposed to be in it, but actually what's in it is a man. A man, yeah. And he is an escaped criminal from a penal colony. Actually, when the episode opened, I think we should point out that it was called, like, Tentalus Penal Colony. And I was like, that was the opening shot, and I was like, for fuck's sake. Oh, because you thought it was... I thought it was going to be like a penis colony. <laughs> Even though I know what a penal colony is. I mean, a, a penis colony? A penis colony sounds like great fun for a lady or a man. 
this like crazy escaped prisoner with real crazy eyes is like running around the ship and he's attacking people. So they're like, ah, code read. Red alert. Red alert. And they're running around trying to fix it and then they get him and he's like screaming about how the penal colony is making him crazy. But they're like, oh no, there's just something wrong with him. And then McCoy is the only one who believes him. He's like, yeah, I think we need to check this out. And mm. Kirk's like, nah, this doctor who runs the penal colony is like... Top of the... Yeah, he's like... Top of his industry. Soup's respected, so don't don't mess with him. And then Kirk decides to go down there. But McCoy's not going. I didn't really understand why. Well, but because... Was it like a conflict of interests or something? Well, I think it was that the psychiatrist guy didn't want them coming down with many people... So Kirk was going to go down with one other. So he said, give me the, your expert in the field. Oh. Uh, so it implies that Bones has got a bigger medical team than, than I thought. But, but the person who is recommended is some girl that Kirk has obviously shacked up with in the past. Obviously, because she's a female on the show. Well, so I'm going to step in and say that I don't think they did. Because if you think, we'll come on to it later. But she tries to rewrite his memories of what happened to make it more. What's the word? I think they're still shacked up. I, th- I just don't think it happened I think it like close, that. But I just don't think it's probably just like a quick bam, bam, thank you, ma'am. I know, but would and done she it? made it all like. Well, we all would with Kirk. I just think that with Randy, specifically, not going there. So maybe he just likes to tease her. Like, he you want this? You want this? You can have. It. You can have it. There are a million things on this world you can have, <laughs> and a million things you can't. Um, anyway, he goes down, and he's first of all, he's like, yeah, nothing's going on here. Everyone just looks really happy, but it turns out evil doctor on the penal colony yeah. is using some light to probe people's minds yeah. and make them good. Hypnotizes them. Yeah, because if they remember anything bad or they start questioning what his methods or anything, even in their mind, then they are in intolerable pain. Yeah. So Kirk ends up being put in the chair. But luckily, that psychiatrist woman, the hot one, kind of saves the day, along with Spock. Yeah, that woman electrocuted him, a guy. Fried that fucker. Yeah. It was literally like a fly on a Burned him right fly up. killer. That was that was grim. He was gone. Um, and then Spock appeared, I think just after that. So, yeah. Uh, down the surface. And yeah, they saved the day. And Kirk, at the end, we were left with a lingering look from Kirk. But he wasn't okay from the experience. After he smiled for everyone else, he looked a bit concerned. Melancholy. Yeah, so uh, it was a good episode, actually, I thought. They were trying to give this message of... Um, like the psychiatrist guy, the doctor dies in the end because he's caught by the machine, and because there's no one there to suggest anything to him for the hypnosis, they think he what died of loneliness. They said, yeah, his mind was just open, but with nothing going in. So he died. I mean, and I that's didn't... like he's killed by his own invention, mm. which I thought was lovely poetic justice there. Yeah, but that was great. I don't understand the idea behind it. What was? Do you make sense of it? This idea that because you're not dying alone, it's just. What do you mean? Well, they said about how they. You, Essentially died alone because yeah, there's no one there to even communicate. Well, I don't. With him. I think you, I think the thing is he must have been under the influence of this much longer than we thought. So every other time we've seen someone on it, they've been on it for like a couple of minutes, mm. and they've had someone there to fill their mind with stuff. But this guy must have just had his mind like ripped open and then nothing put in there. Yeah, because I would think that kind of thing would just turn you like into a. Can I say a vegetable? Yeah, state? I was going to say. Am vegetable. I allowed to say that? No, not vegetable. Vegetative state uh, would be a bit more. Sorry. Uh, so I just feel like maybe that would be the outcome more. Well, I mean, who are we to argue with the science behind Star Trek? It's obviously legit. Mm-hmm. Every last cent of it. Well, a lot of people have said that even the 60s track is surprisingly accurate now. Even for stuff like they were guessing has become. Yeah, people do walk since. around with those like whisks coming out of their ears to try and communicate <laughs> the with communications people. officer i mean it, it could have on. it could have been like a bluetooth device well it technically kind of is it's just really it the early it's just based on that isn't it wireless earphones just based off of what who sure. wears sure what about the barney between mccoy and kirk interesting they're didn't, on the bridge didn't see that coming and kirk pretty much pulled rank on him really it stopped being friends and it was like doctor and mm. captain and I was like, oof, or sir, whatever it was McCoy called you're it. You're bound to have disagreements from time to time. And especially when you are in a higher rank than someone. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to put your foot down. Been there. I've but been there loads of times. It's interesting because I know from being like an avid Trekkie now um, <laughs> that the Doctor is the only one who can supersede the Captain yeah. in certain situations. Yeah. So I think it was a little bit like emasculating for Kirk. And he's like, you what, Doctor? And the Doctor's like, that's right, Captain. 
I will have your guts for garters. <laughs> I'm trying to work out whose writing I would have preferred for that scene then. Yours or the writer of the episode? I mean, do you even need to ask? I would have made it spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> Probably bring glitter and things involved in it. Yours. McCoy throws Undoubtedly. glitter. Undoubtedly. Kirk, and it just takes on and a whole And do you know how they meaning. solve the situation? Dance off! Oh, and a disco ball drops down from the ceiling. And Kirk's like, I had that installed when we first moved in. I'm waiting to use it. <laughs> disco ball on the bridge. That'd yeah. be great. I can imagine RuPaul steps up then. Yeah. yeah. Bring back my girls. If you can't like, love yourself. Oh, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen up in here? Amen. All right. Now let the music play. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me sad I even know that. Yeah, I know, honest. right? That's from you. Though, oh, no, no. no. When I had it on the other day, I saw those sneaky eyes looking up. Yeah, because I'm shocked sometimes at yeah. what they're talking about on there. So back to TOS. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> A show that has changed. <laughs> I digress. Has changed the world. What are you thinking overall this episode? Do you enjoy it then? We have didn't really have anything. There was the, the kissing bit with Kirk and... Uh, I mean, as soon as I saw her, I was like, here we go. But actually, it wasn't rammed down my throat, which is always a good thing. And also... Although, obviously, the Doctor uses her as, like, an object when he's telling Kirk that you have this un- this love that you cannot control over her, yada, yada. We should point out that, actually, she was trying to hypnotise him into loving her and stuff as well. She, like, when she says, that Christmas party, from now on, you'll remember it this way. And this whole thing where they go back to the room and he's kissing her and everything. So it obviously didn't happen that way. So I wonder what way it did happen. Well, I don't think I don't think it did happen. It did happen because they both, when they both stepped onto the transporter, he was like... No, something obviously nearly happened, but didn't, and he's avoided her Oh, sense. no, see, I think what must have happened was a quick, like, boom, boom. <sighs> Let me, he's a whale, and then, like, leave, and then it was just never spoken about again, so that's why it was awkward. And then what she put in his mind was this, like, nice encounter, so that mm. he could remember it. Not for being like dirty man slut, but just from like being emotionally involved. Maybe that's why he won't let the same thing happen with Janice Rand. Because his experience with this woman Maybe. told him not to get down and dirty with his crew. What, you mean like emotionally or he got like crabs? No, I just mean like generally just bad idea to hook up with your, your Don't crew. dip your nib in the office ink, as they yeah. say. Wow. Okay. Is that what they say, is it? Have you not heard that before? I've not ever really worked in an office. So, what? It applies anywhere one might use a pen. Okay. Also, don't shit where you eat. I know that one. Yeah. There you go. Don't shit in your own doorstep. You're so vulgar. What? (laughs) Obviously, you know that one, but you don't know the other one. No. Really? Yeah. Okay, so good episode for you or no? It was good. I have one big criticism. Okay, hit me with it. That guy. Oh, the old... His acting... It was like, and I think I said this to you at the time, it was like this guy has literally never seen a TV show or heard of a television in his whole life or been around people or had any kind of emotional reaction to anything and has never been in pain because he did not know how to express any of those things. I think the issue is that you're not truly understanding that he was feeling... A pain unlike no other. No, I get, I've given birth twice. Because he was trying to I, remember. I know what it's like. He was trying to remember. And then he, he could barely get the words out and he was fighting it. it. I think it was a stellar performance from from the old bloke. It was the worst you thing hated I've him, ever man. seen. You did hate him in it, I, to be fair. And the scenes went on so long. Yeah, but that's true of most of the scenes in TOS. I, I mean, there's a lot of like staring. If they took out all of the staring in TOS, it'd be like a 20-minute episode. <laughs> It would be. And I could probably definitely be shorter. swallow that a little bit easier, you yeah. know? But yeah. that, yeah, that guy. He was my major, like, flaw with it. You didn't take issue with him all straight away. <sighs> it was his eyes, I think. Like, yeah. calm down, mate. Chill. Just chill. It's okay. He got caught quite quickly, actually, on the ship. I mean... I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I did enjoy how they just kept sedating him. <laughs> that's what I would have done if I was there. Like, shut up and go to sleep. That's actually quite true, though. If you think, <laughs> just generally, even now, in places uh people dealing with all sorts of sort of mental issues will be sedated and stuff or they don't want to be on the drugs anymore because they think it doesn't make them feel so there's actually a, like a real thing now and probably was even worse back then which is yeah oh just, yeah just keep sedated, keep sedated yeah no that's i mean on a serious note that's horrific and i th- i think maybe back then i don't know what, when the treatment of people with mental illnesses changed probably only recently really mm. but that is pretty horrific but having said that didn't like the guy <laughs> i probably would have done the same <laughs> I did it for you. I did it for this crew. We are alone here, at the mercy of any number of hostile aliens because of the incomprehensible decision of a Federation captain. 
A Federation captain who destroyed our only chance to get home. Federation rules. Federation nobility. Federation compassion. Do you understand? If this had been a Cardassian ship, we would be home now. We must begin to forge alliances. To survive, we must have powerful friends. The Kazon Nistrum were willing to be our protectors in return for some minor technology. Minor technology that could change the balance of power in this quadrant. Change it in our favor. That is all that matters at this point. Building a base of power in this quadrant. You are a fool, Captain. And you're a fool to follow her. I can't imagine how I ever loved you. Let's return to Voyager with State of Flux, the actual State of Flux episode, not the one that I kept calling State of Flux a number of weeks ago. The Fluxy Imposter. The Fluxy Imposter. Imposter. What did I say? No, I I said it all wrong. Uh, You say the Flux Imposter or the Fluxy Imposter? Fluxy Imposter. Yeah, that's what I tried to say and then I just ended up saying Imposter. So yeah, State of Flux. Uh, This is an episode I always remember from Voyager. Obviously, your first time seeing it. I only remembered really who the traitor was. But anyway, get into the, the plot and tell us what happened in your own words. Okay, so Voyager crew goes to the ship and they're like, what the hell's happened here? And people are like half in the walls and stuff and like kind of like people, but also inorganic material. A Kazon ship, we should say. Kazon ship, sure. Yeah. And... They find one who's alive, so they're like, beating this sucker out of here. And then they take him to the ship and he is pretty much like dead but they're like what's going on here the only thing that we can do to find out what's going on here is ask this guy and then another Kazon ship is coming yeah yeah. and they're stressing about it and they're like oh my god we gotta sort this out by the time they get here otherwise they gotta be mad and then they realise that the thing that caused like the explosion down there is a piece of federation technology mm. I mean what and then they're like how did it get here and then Tuvok comes along like detective Tuvok and he's like oh hey um, it must be someone from this crew they must have beamed it over here. And it's like, who would do something like that? So they narrow it down basically to Carrie and Seska. And they make you think for the whole episode, it's going to be this person. No, wait, it's going to be this person. No, wait, actually, it was the first person you thought of. Hang on, could be someone we haven't even thought of yet. Or haven't even met yet. Who knows? But it turns out, <laughs> after Jesus. a roller coaster of emotions, Seska is a Cardassian who has masqueraded herself as a member of the crew of the people I can't remember their name. The Pajorans? No. The Maquis? Yeah. Okay, sorry, yeah. And then she does a runner with the Kazon. She does. And there's also like this little romantic relationship going on between her and that main guy, who I've also forgotten his name. Chakotay. Chakotay. (laughs) Chakotay? I barely even know him. Um... (laughs) I'm not drunk. No, you know what's happened, guys? She's... (laughs) Just watched RuPaul's Drag Race, literally about less than five minutes before we, we've we recorded this, and the effect is real. <laughs> I can see it in there. I'm very impressionable. And you can probably hear it in her right now. She, she's talking like she's on the show. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so there's some like love story going on there, and Chakotay's like, no, she would never, never betray me like this, or do something like this. But it's like, Chakotay, yes, she would, and also Tuvok also betrayed you, so are you feeling kind of stupid right now? Because I would be if I were you. He was, wasn't he? He was feeling quite, and I felt bad for the guy, because like, you don't go into your job expecting that people are going to plot against you. No, he's bad enough about the Tuvok one in the first episode, but at least yeah. Seska, Seska, who he'd been sleeping with prior mm. to being on Voyager. But she was really mean to him when she said, oh, well, if you're not interested, then I'm going to go and sleep with Harry Kim. I know. I mean, I mean of all the like, things to that's, hear. That's just mean. Of all the things to hear. Like, and Harry Kim would just be grateful. <laughs> he would be grateful. He'd be like, okay, and he's too nice to say no. Yeah. So you know if she propositions him, it's going to happen. Because she's a very fiery woman. There's no telling her no. Yeah. I just feel like if someone said they were going to go for like some stud, some manly man, some guy just just releasing loads of toxic masculinity and things like that. You'd be like, oh, that's that's really mean, Seska. Now you really make me feel bad. But when they say Harry Kim, who's the opposite end of the spectrum, it actually makes you feel as bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Either end of the spectrum it's like, makes I'm you feel horrible. Because like I'm comparing you to Harry Kim. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with Harry Kim. I actually love him. You do. You told me, in fact, that you have a bit of a crush. I do. On Harry oh, Kim. He's so sweet. Okay, so this episode anyway. Did you think it was Seska? Who was the uh, the one given the... Because the piece of technology was replicator technology, which yeah. kind of played on that idea that 
the caves on we met in the first episode didn't have water and stuff. And that, but yeah, but then when I found that out, I was like, well, even if it was her, she was just trying to be nice. Yeah, but you can use replicator technology for weapons. Yeah, I didn't realise that at the time. This is why I'm saying this episode was a roller coaster. So to answer your first question, did you think it was Seska? Yes. No. Yes. No. Okay. Maybe. Definitely. Absolutely never. She would never do that. Yes. No. Yes. Wow. I'm, I feel like I'm on a roller coaster right now. I felt sick. Forgetting that she was like a traitor. What about the twist? Because this is the bit that gets me more, is that she was a Cardassian posing as a Bajoran. Mm. And when she explained it away with that bone marrow thing, I was like, cool. Because I don't know enough about Bajoran medicine to know that that's not true. So then the EMH comes along and he's like, nope. Sorry. That was the moment Chakotay knew, wasn't I was it? Like, oh. Because she said, what did she call it? it called? Something, I can't remember. Orchids. Orchids, disease. yeah, orchids disease, something. And Chakotay repeated it. And he'd obviously already had the conversation with the doctor. So, like, that was the moment when Chakotay, I think, kind of threw in the towel and knew that it was going to be Seska. But I just thought that was so cool. The fact she's posing as a Bajoran just feels like such a betrayal. Because, obviously, you're watching DS9 now, you know, and how the mm. Bajorans feel about the, the Cardassians. Is this happening and... at the same time? Uh, yeah, so this takes place about season three of DS9. Oh. I don't think, timeline-wise, I could be wrong, I'll have to check. I don't think the Maquis actually exist currently where we are in DS9. But I think we're going to get to that quite soon. So. But yeah, I thought that was really cool. I'll tell you what, that bone marrow thing, that, well, that whole blood thing, I thought the fact she hadn't given her bloods was a big red flag. My suggestion would have been to put that in the previous episode, of which she was a key part as well, just as an offhand thing. So that then you're not thinking about it in this one until Chakotay says, you know, and what about the fact you haven't given me blood tests in? And then you'd be like, oh, damn, yeah, she didn't give her blood. But I think blood. it happened early enough in the episode that it was kind of like, well, she's a little bit evasive. She's a sneaky little thing, but mm. she's not probably evil because you expect her to be evil. You know, she was naughty in the last episode and now it's like, oh, she probably is not going to do something again. Yeah. And then you're like, it's definitely not Carrie because he's just such a nice. Oh, Carrie's a sweetheart guy. And I never then when they pulled Carrie. him in front of Janeway, oh. I was like, oh, oh your oh. face! I think you twigged before oh, me as to what that scene was going to be about. Did you think Carrie had done it then? Yeah, at that oh, point, wow. yeah. Wow. Why would you have thought Carrie would have done it though? Because he hates Saskia, and I thought he was going to try and set her up. Ah, uh, set her up, yeah. But he does. Does he hate? Does he hate anyone? Or is he just too nice? I don't, I don't know. know. Get I mean, well she's annoying. Saskia. Yeah. Yeah. You glad to see her gone? She's not Starfleet. She is not Starfleet. She, she is out of here. So we've had a couple of rough episodes for Voyager in regards to people going behind Janeway's back. So in the previous episode, Tuvok, Seska, Carrie, and Balana are going to go behind her back to make the deal for tech. Yeah, poor Kath. In this one, I mean, Seska really called her out in this oh, one at the yeah. end as well. Blamed her for the fact that they're in the Delta Quadrant still, which I don't think has really come up since the first, the end of the first episode. She really just called her out for everything. Yeah, she was like, if this was a Cardassian ship, we would have been home by now. Oh. And Janeway just... What a burn. Janeway was, uh, I don't know, yeah, she just kind of had this, like, stare on her. And she, oh, she, she was fuming. Yeah, she didn't bite, though. She didn't bite. I guess she didn't Chakotay to deal with it more than anything. But you could tell she just wanted to go grab Seska's hair and start beating down on her. I would have done it. Yeah, we would have started pounding on Seska. So. You are very Starfleet, yeah. You enjoyed this one. I enjoyed this one a lot as well. So, a thumbs up from you? This is a thumbs up. Definite thumbs up. Thumbs waving. I was I was holding them. Double thumbs. Up in the sky. Double thumbs. And doing like a, you know, like a little Do 70s little dance. style dance. Make a little love. Get down tonight. Do no one can see what I'm doing right now. No, you are dancing. They might be able to hear it on the mic though. You know, <laughs> you some wrestling, that's yeah, what that that's is. Katie dancing, yeah. Hosted by Katie Harbin and myself, Kyle West, her first Trek, a Star Trek review podcast, is produced by nerdsince86.com and is part of the holosuitemedia.com podcast network. If you would like extra content from us, including early access to her first Trek episodes, our Patreon-exclusive Her First Trek After Show, where we rank the episodes we've discussed each show, early access to Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast episodes, and much, much more, you can become a valued supporter of our show by signing up to our Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash nerdsince86 for more details. To keep up to date on all the news and updates from Her First Trek, be sure to follow at Her First Trek on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. To join the holosuitemedia.com community discussion group, simply type the Nexus, Holosuite Media's listeners community, into the Facebook search bar. Thank you for listening. This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. 
Computer. List other available Holosuite media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4. The Sci-Fi Feminist. A feminism and pop culture podcast. Yes, uh, cosplaying as Lara Croft doesn't work, but that did spark my interest in her. And for my master's dissertation, I wrote about Rise of the Tomb Raider. And continuing into my current study, she's still the topic of research and investigation. So... I feel like um, we're basically best friends or sisters. We are really close, <laughs> me and Laura. It feels like I have some personal relationship with her, which is why I'm really happy to share my research about Laura Croft at this point in this podcast. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Voyages, a Star Trek original, animated, and Kelvin Films podcast. Full honesty, I did find that the scene was seemingly long when they were driving with him and, and Scotty to get to the Enterprise when they were in their little capsule. I felt that that was a very long scene driving around the whole Enterprise. But find yourself someone in life that looks at you the way Kirk looked at the Enterprise. I mean, that was a beautiful moment. And I absolutely adored when Spock came back onto the Enterprise. Just how everybody on the bridge, like Yuhura and Chekhov and everybody, they just kind of rallied around him. And it was a really warming moment just to see that original core group of people just celebrate him and happy to see him. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.